everybody, just an announcement before we start the show. We are on the web at albumorientedpodcast.com. That's albumorientedpodcast.com. Make sure you uh, bookmark that and check uh, there often for new episodes as we put them up. Also, we're on Facebook, facebook.com front slash albumorientedpodcast. And uh, there you can like us and comment and uh, hold forth in spirited debate about these uh, top 100 lists. Also, subscribe and give us great reviews on iTunes and all the other places where you can get podcasts. Two guys who grew up during the album era. Two lists of the 100 albums of all time. This is Album Oriented. For the purposes of dramatic conflict and also based in reality, I am Eric Kurtz, the apologetic indie snit anglophile who never stops paying attention to mainstream music. And I am Daniel Nestor, the unapologetic mainstream champion who watched every episode of 120 Minutes and has pockets of obscuro factoids. Kong, it's on. It's on. The my i I lost. <clears throat> I lost my iPhone in Istanbul. That's my new unique <laughs> New York warm-up. <laughs> the human skeleton was denied a bank loan. <laughs> I lost my iPhone in Istanbul. Is that yours? Which my, actually, my really fa- good. My father just no, no, he just did. He just lost it. But I just thought of he did, that actually happened. Did he lose it in Istanbul? He did lose it in Istanbul, which seems I, I don't want to sound insensitive. I don't, I don't want to sound cosmopolitan. <laughs> seems like a bad place to lose an iPhone. Who knows where they'll oh, wind up? Some homeschooled Turk is gonna write in with our worldwide reach. Across the globe, the the globe of reach around. <laughs> and let's oh. start now. <laughs> How about we start? Welcome to Album Oriented. Hey, I'm Eric Hertz. Glad to have you back. 
I'm Daniel Nestor, and I'm sort of glad to have you back because I missed my opportunity last episode to make all sorts of bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, confirmation, bat, our, 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 uh, a, uh, bat, bat, bat mitzvah. I'm from New Jersey. The, and we mispronounce things. <laughs> there are no, there, there are, are no Jews in New Jersey. <laughs> exactly. None. No Jew, yeah. Uh, but our, uh, podcast is a man now. Our, our podcast or, is, or, or a woman or a woman. Our podcast's balls have dropped because we are now 14 and fully into and embraced in the community of being oriented toward albums. Yeah. And uh, this is episode uh, 14. And I, I'm still running with, with, right? the, with the devil from the last time. And I is it from it's with running with running, with, running for the devil. Running for, no, I said from from <laughs> running, no running no. with. Yeah, no. they are running David with, with would the be, devil. Yeah. I think David would be running past the devil. Well, he found the simple life wasn't so simple. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you're still, and you know, I now well, I we're we're talking in case you've just joined us in the podcast. <laughs> we're no, talking about our I'm previous sorry. episode, episode eighty-eight, episode thirteen, where we discussed uh, my mid-year kicker pick from 1979, Van Halen's self-titled, eponymously titled album Van Halen. Yes. Known to fans as Van Halen 1, because there is Van Halen 2. And there's Van Halen 3 with Gary Sharon, but it's a whole other sidebar. But Van Halen 2 was not, was it the second album? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they so they kind of did a Zeppelin. For, until then. And then it was... Uh, or Chicago, Women I guess, depending on how you're looking at it. Chicago's, like, I think still doing the Roman numeral <laughs> the shtick. 26 or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sound like Merv Griffin. Oh, yeah. We can't let go of it now. All the way from the Windy City. Chicago. I mean, you know, I'm, I have some, you know, this is where we talk about our previous episode. We get to, uh, for me, I get to redress any sort of uh, mistakes or issues that I might have raised idiotically. And I have none of that for this, but uh, there's one thing I wanted to bring up with you about our last talk, which is Ooh. it was sort of like an aside in my dis- what I thought was my, you know, wide-eyed discussion of discovering Roxy Music's "For Your Pleasure." Yeah, and you said you found a good chunk of that album just unlist. You said unlistenable, unlistenable, unlistenable. <laughs> and so, As, and I know. I, I showed good faith, and I didn't say, "Geez, this Blub Doll song is pretty freaking weird" or whatever. I, uh, I I I was very accepting of the album, and, and indeed, I think I like I, I like it a lot. Oh, I but said the second side is great. The second side is great. It has some great stuff on it. So do the whatever, yeah. do the whatever, the blub doll, the you know, in every home a heart, in every. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, in every dream, home a heartache. You don't no, no, even no. dig uh, that song. That's yeah. side one, baby. I know. End of side one. You're right. Starting there. So and the, the and first the three songs, songs on, on you, do yeah. the strand. You don't like the do the yeah. strand. We played that girl. one too. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that's how it opens up, you know. But yeah, I, I was just surprised that you would say unlistenable and something Eno real Brian Eno related. I know he's on it. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's all over it actually. I I think I I'm mean, trying to th- I'm trying to throw you. You really? I mean, but I was just trying to maintain. <laughs> believe it or not, I was trying to like you know, main, you know, maintenance our time and move forward. You know, I but think, I want I want to like linger on this just I, for a little bit. I think it's the exact opposite of all the other experiences that I've been having with albums that, again, I haven't listened to in a very long time. Right. So mm-hmm. when we did the streets a couple of episodes ago, I was like, 
I listened to that. We kind of we came off really great in that one because I think we, in the lead up. No, I'm serious because in the lead up we were like, oh Christ, the streets. What what did I have to look at? Uh, the streets. Oh, I had to do the streets, and you had to do oh uh, the white stripes. The white stripes, and both yeah. of us were like, oh, mm. we're like Nick, little Nick Nolte's, you know, right. <laughs> white stripes. <laughs> and then the episode was just completely accepting and. Celebrating, we talked about grime and gar- garage, garage, trying to break or down the garage, the micro genres, <laughs> micro genres, and uh, just that little aside from you talking about Roxy music. So, so what I mean Three by that, loop. what I mean by that was that I when I back to the streets and was was like, wow, this is a lot better than I thought it had mm-hmm. been. And I think for the most part, every single album, going all the way back to Erica Badu, back at the top of the or the end of the list. Uh, was wow! This is great, and what a treat to be able to yeah make discover it, talk about it, or make myself listen to these things for the first time. And then I was looking forward to oh yeah, that's right, Roxy Music is coming yeah. up, and uh, spending the week listening to For Your Pleasure again. Not a lot of pleasure. I, I well, <laughs> I think it was the expectation. Like <laughs> oh, of course, it's Eno. It's the famous last yeah. Eno album. It's the it's the tension between Brian and and Brian with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> And this is great. And uh, oh, there's just a few of those songs that I just had to wow. skip. Wow. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was uh, it was about you know our discussion too, too melodramatic for me. Well, I think that's why I was trying to say. Well, this is prog. Oh, I'm gonna pop again. We need to get those little things. Uh, prog rock and all but a name, but you offered a nice little discourse or a litmus test between art rock. Is it art rock or is it prog rock? Is the lead singer attractive? Art rock. Is it, <laughs> you know, is, does he shave the, it, shave the middle of his head? Prog rock. Um, meaning, you know, a or, gl- or glam rock or, gl- or glam rock. Case, yes. These micros in the rear view mirror, you know, 30 years, 40 years down the, down the road, these, these uh, subdivisions seem a little bit, uh, they bleed into each other, I guess. Hmm. And it, it it was, I have to stop with these, and I I won't stop, but I have to try to restrain myself with these little Can't stop, shibboleths, stop. these, these um, you know, why the hell wasn't like, yes, his first album included on somebody's top one. I know it's why hmm. not this, why not this, why this and not this. Yeah. I no, don't think. I think I'm, we're going to do that every week, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this week right. is definitely one of those weeks. This, right. Why Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors falls in enemies 87 number one yeah number one and then why doesn't the Beatles, sergeant peppers lonely hearts club band appear at all on entertainment weekly's top 100 list or at all why it's down here in the low 80s for the enemies list yeah i mean this is we've come a long way i mean i was i was talking to my wife the other day i'm like yeah we're going to talk about sergeant peppers and she was like, "Oh, have you made it to the top twenty already? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, down went, there in the basement? You guys flew, yeah, you flew through the hall. yeah, yeah, and uh, and no, I mean, it, I, I, we'll we'll get into it a little bit. But if there's one thing, I a one question I can think of for it to to maybe paraphrase or appropriate Frank Zappa's question, you know, does sentimentality belong in rock music? Does it belong in the top one hundred? Because here we have two albums that have." That are just absolutely dripping with sent- sentimentality in their in their songs, and I think mm. one of the little pet reasons I have, and it's probably, I think there's some merit to it, is like why was this Beatles album, you know, downgraded and or excluded, has a lot to do with Paul McCartney 
and has a lot to do with sentimentality. It has a lot to do with like that side of the Beatles nature as opposed to um you know mm. the the Lennon unsentimental you know side of things, but then, but I, I, in a yes, couple of, when we case. when we finish talking about Sergeant Pepper's, I'm going to be talking about Dolly Parton and her you know completely sincere, indeed kitschy, collection of songs, Coat of Many Colors. So <laughs> kitschy, yeah, I would say kitsch, yeah. Wow, yeah, as Mulan Kundera once put it. Uh, I love it when you do this. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> to paraphrase, I'm ready. you know, sen- uh, sentimentality is like when uh, a bunch of adults are looking at kids playing in a field of grass. Kitsch is the feeling of all the adults knowing that they're like, you know, shedding a, t- a tear of joy watching kids play in the grass. It's that collective sentimentality moment. Mm-hmm. So when you were all listening together, knowing that other people are tearing up a little bit with their coat of many colors. And I don't want to talk about the other songs just yet, but there seems to be like a collective pass on really, you know, sentimentality on steroids, which is basically kitsch in a lot of ways. <laughs> so, boy, yeah, it's it, I'm going to try to present this album. And it, there's so much stuff to, that's nice about the album. So many things, so many side topics I can adopt to, to avoid talking about whether or not I really like it or not. <laughs> so I look forward to it. All right, but uh, I, I promise not to drop any bombs like at the end of the Sgt. Pepper's. Like, of course, I think this album is the worst ever, and then you have to say, "And we'll be back," like, which is the what basically what happened with our Roxy music. <laughs> but we just unpacked that, so we can always revisit it here at the intro. And but are we going to have a cold we, open? We're we going to. We, we are going to do a cold open. Probably most people know know a few songs off this album. <laughs> guess and have heard of it um and then at the very end i'll do my kicker pick from 1969 i'm back in 69 <laughs> how this keeps happening to me is it's but it's it's fine i'm it's, it's a when good you got your uh first six string at the five and dime <laughs> that's right oh i i <laughs> I think I'm going to have to give you the stop button to access <laughs> the boss. Yeah, right. So after these words from our illustrious sponsor, hear Ryan or Ryan Adams lyrics, I will <laughs> we'll hear them cut off. In, Did you hear that Ryan, Ryan Adams finally played a Brian Adams song? Like evidently, I think people like shout, you know, play summer 69 to him, like at every concert, <laughs> which if I were Ryan Adams, I would just go nuts. I would be like tonight. And you know, Sheboygan, Ryan Adams, noted alt country singer, killed forty-seven people at the local club. I, mean, I would just go nuts. It's kind of like that picture of Billy. Did you see the picture of Billy Corgan at Disney World? No, I did not. He's like on a little trainy train, and he looks miserable. I just love those things. It's like what's his face from uh, the Misfits? What's his name? Mother, mother, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Danzig. Have you ever yeah. seen a picture of Glenn Danzig with the cat, cat food? He's just in the parking lot with a couple bags of cat chow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You like them um, displaced from their perch? Not just or, me. Or, millions of other <laughs> meme loving. Yeah, you know, they just take those pictures and they're like sad Billy Corgan. They put them like everywhere. Uh, all right. Or the video of Glenn Danzig getting getting dropped. By that guy after the show, like a bouncer or something. Yeah, right? yeah, just ham. Yeah, just ham. See, I don't like that. See, that's you. You're the macho guy. <laughs> yeah. I like the cat yeah. chow. Oh yeah, okay. 
And with that, you can hit the pause button, I guess. <laughs> we, need to, oh. we need to add that to the header. The Anglophone <laughs> macho guy. Anglophile. Apologetic macho guy. <laughs> All right. All right. So when we get back, Sergeant Pepper and his Lonely Hearts Club band. Uh, this will be informative, I think. about this in the 80s lonely hearts club band in the eight oh in the i'm sorry not, 80s. Not, not, not in the uh killing joke 80s in but the in, the, 80s. in the at the bottom of the 80s so let's first say a series of obvious things um that in 1966 after revolver uh the beatles decided they were done touring mm. that it had become such a carnival they were filling shea stadium and at that time, using the baseball park's PA system <laughs> <laughs> and their the amps. Knocks better for the Dodgers. <laughs> Love me, do. <laughs> like George Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't. They couldn't even hear themselves. And they. And uh, I mean, uh, I think there are a number of things that go into this moment of seclusion. But feeling like it's all meaningless was was a big was a big part yeah. of it, and they decided they would not tour anymore, and make selected live performances. And no one really was able to get away with this at all during yeah. this period. Uh, and they retreated to London, to Abbey Road Studios, and to a producer named George Martin who was already working with them. And in 1967, they came out with. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club's band, um, based on an idea that Paul had about a Edwardian era band, and Paul and John revisiting all these specific places uh, in Liverpool. Hey, 
so it's a very English album. Mm-hmm. It's in if it weren't the Beatles, you'd be surprised it was as popular as it was. I mean, right. it's that English, right? Right. So they recorded Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, but did not put them on the album. <laughs> so because it was still the time when you released singles, and you thought, well, you can't be- charge people twice, right, for singles <laughs> that you released. So they so they released so that. Good to hear that the uh, labels had some scruples. <laughs> So Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, both both a street and a place in, in Liverpool. and But at any rate, uh, they had gobs of money and gobs of time and were able to, as you can hear from this very first track, uh, bring in horn sections uh, from the orchestra, um, take the time to mix in crowd noises and pan stuff from left to right. And well, not just the time, but the, the, the know, the know-how and the wherewithal. I mean, they, they used a four track. I know. Recorder. All that, four track. But the, and, but this particular model of the four track really withstood, you know, taping over tapings over and over. So it, right. it didn't wear down or didn't, um, you know, uh, deteriorate. Right, right, right. But you do have to make a commitment at some point that like, these three things are locked at this sort of level yeah. onto this track and, and bounce and, and moved around in these ways. Um, and it was a highly successful model and, and, and is rightly called in many circles up until this point, I guess the most important album of all time. I mean, usually people will say, well, what would be the number one album of all time? And indeed Rolling Stone has it as the number one album of all time. Right. Like in the most recent, top album yeah 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 well, good for rolling stone yeah, i yeah. never thought i would say that and as we already noted completely left off entertainment weekly even though they have four other beatles albums and way down here for for enemy oh and so and so the album as um a piece that you think of as a cohesive unit right so and i think this has something to do with i like your idea about sentimentality but i think this also has something to do with why it's down here at 87 which i just think is perverse and makes me angry so i'll just try mm-hmm. and handle it in the best way that i can you're doing great you're doing great <laughs> thank you talk me talk me down <laughs> talk me through this um so on the one hand it's the first album you know you think of uh, zappa was doing something already where he's freak out yeah he's already dismantling the hippie era in 67 right as it's happening but at any rate uh the first um idea of an album as a concept right with like a like a thematic through line Mm -hmm. and so we think of that as the album as opposed to revolver which was before it which is the number one uh on the list yeah. By the way, we'll get there yeah, a yeah. long time from now, uh, which has a bunch of great singles. Yeah. All killer, no filler, but but no sort of through line. So the, so the whole idea of art rock, of, 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 of concept rock uh, comes from, from this moment. And well, that so goes at- <laughs> everything that makes, you know, Rolling Stone as important as a magazine yeah. and all the bands that they love threads back to this to this moment and this idea that you could do this with an, with an album. It's almost as if when I, you know, th- th- with this album comes the album-oriented era, right? Yes. Yeah. This, this is like an album proper, you know, a collection of, you know, songs that have, a, there's a sort of loose linking principle between them. Uh, there's a, you could even, the, people have said that there's a narrative to this and it ends with a day in the life with a big, you know, piano chord. Right. All these things I find totally innovative and interesting to see that, oh, that is the moment where it went mainstream or where, you know, 
people from, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, it's good that we gave a nice nod to freak out with Frank Zappa, but here is where the the Beatles went and did it. And it was, it was a total mainstream thing. So, so all that's wonderful about Sgt. Pepper's, but on the other hand, maybe we're assigning a certain amount of blame to Sgt. Pepper's for Yes's Tormato album or, you know, uh, don't go be smirching. Yes. In this room. <laughs> Although I think you've tried, tried not to many no, times. No, yeah. I, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big yes fan. Uh, but Say yes to yes. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, but, but I think for a certain kind of rock canon maker, list maker, maybe we, they, he or she looks at Sergeant Peppers and says, "Well, that's where the the idea of a like a story arc or whatever was privileged over the idea of a great rock song." Yeah, that's right. And and uh, I think it's totally unfair. I mean, if you I just listen to Sergeant Peppers and I don't see this. I don't see songs calling back to each other. I mean, are there characters that appear reappear right. in different? things and 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 it's not until we get to the white album that they start to talk back right about their own work simultaneously and what the heck's the matter with you know quadrophenia in the first place i mean like what's the matter with a rock opera what's the matter with yeah but the concept albums but i but i think people do think that this is you know maybe the beginning of the end i mean there's this great book that i'm trying to plow through called how the beatles destroyed rock and roll Mm. and this is held as the moment right when this wasn't all about you know i mean there's the lester bangs quote like a cry from the gutter or whatever this became right. like a proper art form i mean to that i say so yeah, yeah <laughs> but, no, I, but i think some people really uh see that as a problem it, as always you've you've hit the nail squarely on the head take that Thank but you. no i think you're exactly right i mean i was going to say that i I think every generation gets the Beatles number one album that they deserve. <laughs> and, and I think this is one of those cases where uh, the the newer and the enemy or whatever, um, at a moment where they think this is where things went wrong, you know, get away from the, that's why there are no, no yes albums, right? right. Because oh, yeah. Sgt. Pepper is responsible for yes albums, you know. Um, but Revolver, right? It's got a bunch of great singles on it. And we're back to a moment where, historically now, we like albums with great, a bunch of great singles on them. And there are not that many concept albums th- right. around. Or, or if there are, you don't talk about them op- openly. Although, you know, having said that, I guess, you know, Green Day's American Idiot was a you know big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. they're around for sure. Rock and Roll Hall of but, Fame. But they're, Green yeah. Day <laughs> band. That band, yeah. Uh, but it's definitely not something... That that's valued a great deal, right? I mean, if, or looked down upon for, for a sure. band of a certain era. That was something to aspire to, to, right. to actually not just come in Sergeant with Pepper. a batch of yeah, a batch of songs that were good and solid and four or five hits, but yeah. to but to actually make an album that cohered um, and actually and explore as, the studio as a, as an instrument and and, and my gosh. Thank you so much for this historical moment. I mean, you know, we talked about the zombies on an Oracle. I mean, only made possible by the Beatles selling millions and millions of copies, right, of Sgt. Pepper. And then studios sort of scrambling, saying, hey, let's go ahead and let, you know, people come in and spend months in the studio 
trying to make another another masterpiece. And I suppose it led. And I, I suppose, it, of course, it led to many, many indulgent albums by bands that really should not have oh, tried to make their own Sgt. Pepper. That's right. Isn't there like a Tommy James in the shot? I mean, every name your band from this period that was trying to pivot from the mid '60s to the late '60s, and you have. Uh, you know, a Sergeant Pepper's attempt. Yeah, I will point directly at the Stones' "Her Satanic Majesty's Request." You, but you said that with a snigger the last time, right? <laughs> I know, I, I still am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as something gone hor- horribly wrong. Right, right. Yeah, this, I mean, I guess they con- tried to be something that were not, and the Stones were definitely not that. Right. And then they came through with a concept album, as it were, of Exile on Main Street. The concept being, we're holed up in France with a lot of drugs. And these are the songs we came up with. And that's their concept. Here's our concept. That's right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, whereas, you know, uh, the Beatles are already destroying rock and roll. Right. Back when Paul was on For No One has a French horn solo. I mean, you know, it's like, it's already not rock and roll by then. Um, There's a great line. Oh, this is that moment where we start to repeat ourselves, but like in a, in, Amer- in George Lucas's American graffiti, right? Like this is, is the Brit invasion, the beach boys simultaneously the end of rock and roll. And you know, we'll, well, that's, gosh, you know, we can get to the beat. We'll be, we will get to the beach boys pet sounds later, which precedes Sergeant peppers. It's right. just, it's just math. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just the way the sun revolves around the earth. That's oh, right. Got that the other way around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but the other the other thing is like I'm listening to this album and I'm concentrating on the songs and the songs are you know wonderful. I mean, you know, they really are. The dodgy one is 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 lovely Rita Meter Maid. That's the throwaway one. <laughs> I mean, my god. Really. Even I, I even I still like that song. <laughs> yes. I, I I just, you know, I and George, I, and George, George's contribution with him without you is already uh, very much in line with the stuff that he started doing in Revolver. So it's not like this was a like a real radical departure from the stuff they were already doing, but sonically, it, it was a gigantic uh, leap forward. I think you know the the thing is with the Beatles is you know you're, and I think that these um, uh, either or. Um, choices are are really moot i mean it's not it's not yin or yang it's it's both it's not lennon or mccartney it's the beatles right it's not um it's but i think people take sides almost the way people pick a favorite sports team or something Mm. and if you look at the line mccartney dominates this album uh, in in like who's singing, whose whose initial idea it was, and I was really surprised hmm. br- brushing up on my Beatles history that Ringo remembers nothing about <laughs> about this album. John you Lennon, you were surprised by that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And John Lennon wasn't really that jazzed about this idea of like an alter ego being yeah. Sergeant Pepper's, and also George Harrison's like initial. Um, uh, choice for the album was, sh- was was turned down by George Martin. I, don't, I didn't know he had the power of of turning down, but <laughs> but uh, it's right. like a northern song or something, and and that's on Yellow Submarine. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. But so uh, maybe there is something to be said about um you know, the other the other members of the band like trying to assert themselves and not really. You know, or McCartney kind of being like the the ambitious one, the one that wants to like 
you know, do the the heavy work or or, or something. I, you know, it's it, obviously I'm not a Beatleologist, but I think like part no. of what's happening there is that you know, in a group, it's not like a complete proportionate democracy. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to take the lead. And if you look at the song, right. the song credits are the not the song credits, but who sings lead and whose song really it was right. in the Lennon McCartney. Because right, because all the Lennon or McCartney songs are all Lennon McCartney. But obviously, right, written by either or, and then and this seems also the last time, kind of the last time when Lennon and McCartney still sort of blended their parts together. Yeah, you know, I, so like Dana Life, yeah, for example, has it's a Lennon, mostly a Lennon song, but has the McCartney woke up, fell out of bed, dragged across my head. Right, so it's like the you song's know, benefited it, from from that, you right? Know? So I think that. Um, you know, this is a true, you know, full Beatles album. And of course it all changes after this. But if you look at, um, revolver, you know, and, and Abbey road, you've got, you know, a different mix, a different proportion of songs. So I don't want to get all conspiracy theory ish, but maybe there's a conspiracy here. of People (laughs) saying, listen, we need to reassert Lennon's place in the band because Paul McCartney. Oh, you mean why? push it lower and it does all change after this actually because it was lennon saying we need to get back to rock right i mean this is why this this early he was saying yeah well shortly after this thing uh came down i mean they wrote it for uh, another year and then went and saw the maharishi and came up with the white album and those are all sort of individual tracks sort of called together uh, right but you know, then they went straight to doing "Let It Be," and that was all. Let's get back to blues rock and how right. we started this whole thing, like guitars. You know, no orchestra allowed, uh, <laughs> except for after I quit and someone comes in, and that someone being Phil Spector, Phil Spector yeah. <laughs> comes in and remixes everything with strings and shit. Uh, and then why did the, it take so long for "Let It Be" naked to come out? I wonder. I mean, I know that there were no, bootleg yeah. bootlegs galore. And, yeah. Yeah, Somebody know. write in and help know. us with that, but maybe people didn't care. I mean, I think part of the the Sergeant Pepper's demotion comes from comes from this Lennon McCartney, you know, taking sides thing. That I think that that I think that's a big part of it. Hmm. I do, and yeah. I also think if you look at the song list, you know, you've got you know. Lots of, uh, you know, the the syrupy maca ballads, yeah, that I love. I definitely love when I was like twelve listening to this. Oh my gosh, you know, she's leaving home and yeah, yeah. Leave it, leave, leave it to Paul to talk about uh, uh, a young girl leaving home from the parents' point of view, right? right. <laughs> and not from the teenager sticking it to mom and dad. I mean, right. Isn't that John though singing the other parts? Like we gave him most of our life. That's right. So, I mean, you do, even in these, like, Macca, McCartney-dominated songs, you know, there's the, there's the, the John Lennon, you know, part that's so important. You know, getting better, it couldn't get much worse. It couldn't get no worse. That's, that's the duality, I think, in a nutshell, for for me, at least. That's right. The Lennon-McCartney partnership. Um we could talk forever about this album, and I, and I think that uh, we shouldn't. <laughs> I think we've said some re- really great things about it, and I think that. Uh, well, I'd like you again, to get angry a little bit here. I mean, about this demo, this demotion and absence. <laughs> well, I, I, but but I think that I I understand why it's there, though. And like I said, I think it is precisely about what that album represents versus what Revolver represents. So 
like completely absent on one list uh and is and revolvers the number one on on the same same list right I mean, so, what's, so it's like but what's the literature equivalent i mean it's like leaving out the odyssey out of like, like a, out of like no, the norton anthology it is the of, shifting canon right I yeah mean, oh yeah for sure i mean it's it's fascinating it would be fascinating if it wasn't so sort of douchey on on the rock critic you know, camp's part <laughs> to, to do that. I mean, there was this book, Jim DeRogatis, like edited it called kill your idols. And I think that sentiment, that was, you know, the early aughts, late nineties, I forget, but, but that was maybe a changing of the guard in the, in the rock writer, um, mm. you know, world. Right. And this, this, I think the, you know, this album became sort of the, caught in the middle the, the whipping boy yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely and, and uh, it's 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 the you know to switch over to film for a second it's the citizen kane of films right so much so that when you so that wait it's it's a citizen kane of albums yes yes okay yeah citizen anyway. kane is the citizen kane of film <laughs> it's like when i said scrapple is the foie gras of new jersey and somebody said i think scrapple is the scrapple of new jersey <laughs> uh but at any rate, you finally get around to watching Citizen Kane. You're like, it's not so good. I mean, you know, and it's too, you know, self-obsessed and overwrought. And, you yeah. know, uh, oh, look at how arty I am, you know. And the um, acting styles are different. Yeah. Right. Like so it's still got to be the Beatles. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's going to be the Beatles who don't take themselves so damn seriously. Right. You know? Right. So the magnificent... Um, Ambersons is that the yes that is like, well played the, yeah. the Wells follow up yeah yeah so so people will put that on their 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 top one hundred list <laughs> yes almost I mean God it's it, I just feel so actually bad. Brian Wilson whom we'll talk about <laughs> much later because I think that the like uh what we'll, you know we'll hang on when we get to Pet Sounds because mm-hmm. it does come before uh, Sergeant Peppers and this way in which. The album era is not always a great thing, as you say. Not only did it produce some bad albums, but in the but in the Brian Wilson camp, if if anything is possible, that means there's no end point to, to which it can be said to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you know you're pouring about McCartney sort of taking charge and leading this thing through. I mean, maybe, and and I'm sure Martin cracking the whip. Uh, yeah, actually got this thing released, whereas. You know, smile <laughs> didn't come out for a very, very, very long time. Right? There's no like nobody's picking friends or love you on in the on the Beatles side in their in their uh, you know top 100 lists. I right. don't think to be contradictory to say or to reassert like the non Brian Wilson. I can even say it without laughing. <laughs> the non Brian Wilson wing of the songwriting. Right. Part. Yeah, yeah. You know. Anyway, same thing with Wells, right? The the common thing to say about Orson Wells is the worst thing he ever did was made Citizen Kane because then he had all the money and all of the attention and then mm-hmm. he couldn't there were so many projects that he couldn't quite yeah, yeah. piece together or let go of for that matter. Hmm. At any rate. I if we, before I forget, I, I, I do wanna I wanna go out on a day in the life. The uh, whole the whole song we might hear from <laughs> Apple music <laughs> not, 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 not the whole song um <laughs> but i think it was um the poet rita ann higgins going back to the lovely rita mm-hmm. uh she got she got an award i think it was the guardian maybe and the headline was uh L- lovely meter rita made <laughs> it's gold i mean if it's nothing else it gets us that little <laughs> 
What is that? Moomin chance? Or what do you call that when you move stuff? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not Moomin chance. Spoonerism? Spoonerism? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but when I'm 64 is the is the song on here that I could. Do. I would still do. Lo- I would just say uh, "Lovely Rita, comma meter meter maid." Meter maid. She's the, actually that's that's a pretty sexist, isn't it? <laughs> You're the maid of meters. The maid of meters. <laughs> and they probably spell it differently anyway. M e t r e. On that note, <laughs> the, so ex- the, the uh, extremely somber. about day in the life as you you know toggle over to the song i mean you know day in the life has that lennon mccartney mix and it's i mean what a mind-blowing song it it, It has to be just said blow your mind out in the car yeah yeah (laughs) it could not would not yeah yeah blow my mind out in a car (laughs) but yes i'm gonna put my my head on the microphone this is my head okay (laughs) (laughs) yes I used to think that uh, now now we know how many holes it takes to fill the Albert Hall. I thought he meant like assholes, like you know. <laughs> it's not. It's bullet hole, bullet holes. I thought like I thought Albert Hall was a person. <laughs> exactly, it's like a Hitchcock film. Well, like we said, it's a very English <laughs> album. I, I mean, I, I I would. So you have all these sort of references that you have to either look up or just take them on face value. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And how wonderfully imaginative Lucy in the Sky and with Diamonds was then. Yeah, the, exactly. The, this wasn't a bum record for Lennon. I mean, like, Lucy in the Sky and Diamonds is pretty pretty great. He, he poo-poos uh, Good Morning, Good Morning, but has like 17 different or four different uh, time signature shifts. So he's no slack in the throwaway department. No, no, he's not. And, 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 and again, I would say as a, as, as a youngin, uh, growing up in the early 70s, it just seemed like that's just imaginative. <laughs> exactly. You know? I mean, even even the cartoons they were showing us uh, how to count to number twelve on Sesame Street were pretty funky, man. Yeah, with the Pointer Sisters. 
trying to teach us to get to the number the 12. The Pointer Sisters were on the electric company? I'm almost, no, they're on Sesame Street on the, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, oh, 11, yeah. 12. It's a it's a psychedelic cartoon that goes with it. I mean, it's Yellow Submarine style, you know, which was just, I guess, mainstream and great for kids at that point, you know. Pointer Sister sidebar. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a friend of mine worked. Wait, is this an obscure old fact? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It was a, a friend of mine worked at Sony, like at 50th and 10th Avenue or something like that. And this I got to see all the quarter inch tapes or whatever clapton miles davis all all, all of them mm, just wow. and they just let me walk through i could have just taken them i should have anyway there was another room where it was a great stereo you know um it, it was like the maxell maxell uh, commercial like just a chair and a stereo with two big speakers and this guy's job all day long was to listen to to these like dodgy you know releases of artists, but and make sure there weren't any pops or or whatever, you know, before it got committed to the master tape. Sure. So I walked on this particular day. It was like a 1983, you know, like oh. pre. I'm so excited, Pointer Sister. Album. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what do you listen to, Pointer Sisters? <laughs> it's like automatic. It, no, it was. It was not automatic. It was. It was like post disco, pre like okay. you know, yeah. It was just it was just like amazing. Like this guy's job is to like listen to like, you know, dodgy dodgy releases from from uh, otherwise, you know, pretty successful artists. <laughs> oh, right then. I know. It's grave, by the way. I was just saying when I was younger I thought it was grave. Although but it, it actually it shit. There were so many things to say about this album it just wanted to fucking die and we I don't know. I mean that we're how long Wow, we're still recording. Okay. <laughs> How long was that bit? It was, I mean, it must have been almost 30 minutes or something. So, No, I, I mean, I think, rate, it mer- the, I think it merits a longer segment. But, I mean, the, but the lyrics, you know, the lyrics are on there. Um, that wasn't the first time that they printed lyrics or anything, right? I mean. No, I'm just saying that, I, you know. But you could, yeah, you, you could fact check yourself. Mm-hmm. I read the news today, Oh, they know how many holes it takes to fill the alcohol. 
so we're going to move ever so slightly. Ever so slightly from London, England and the swing and the swinging 60s baby to country music. 1972 Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors. Colors released in 1971, the year after the Beatles broke up. So I guess Dolly was like, It was our consolation prize. The Beatles broke up. I'm going to come out with this album. Time to strike. And uh, it is number uh, 87 on Entertainment Weekly's list. Entertainment Weekly Sgt. Pepper's list. list. (laughs) I'm surprised you both. That's hard to say. (laughs) The freak. And uh, so... It's, uh, this is Dolly Parton's, you know, umpteenth album. I mean, she did many with Porter Wagner, like lots of duets. And this is, this is her eighth solo studio album. Um, what I knew of this was Code of Many Colors. And of the uh, eight studio albums. No, no. I mean, of this, of the tracks on this album, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I knew, um, here I am. Why would you know it? Why do I know country songs? I, I guess my, you know my dad is my dad's from Tennessee. Okay, by way of Arizona, so so I would listen to growing up. There was some country music in in the home. Mm. Um, maybe I had maybe there was like a Dolly Parton. This album cover doesn't look familiar to me. So uh, I, I mean, but I remember Coat of Many Colors and Jolene and you know the greatest. Oh yeah, things. Jolene. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. But this seems to be an album with like a lot of the usual uh, country session suspects. Um, you know, not well, not exactly the wrecking crew, like a, a completely coherent set of backing musicians. There's, you know, <laughs> the wrecking. Uh, there's there's a uh, you know good amount of recognizable names. Most notably for me was Pete Drake on um, pedal steel guitar. I wrote a bit about him a couple years ago hmm. when I wrote about. Uh, talk boxes right and pete drake was the guy who who had a string of hits in the mid 60s with his talking steel guitar and they're fantastic right but pete drake and this is a bit of a this is where he's the linkage between the beatles and dolly parton pete drake listened uh played on all things must pass so there's a nice little there we go linkage there but i'm basically the george harrison solo album Yes, the George Harrison triple soul album, right? <laughs> right? Box set that came out. All the songs he'd been hanging on to <laughs> a bit that, of they, a back- that no one would let him play. Yeah, a bit of a backlog there in the George Harrison. Yeah. Um, anyway, back, back to yeah. that one. So, so the, you know, these are, you know, I would call them traditional, you know, mainstream country songs, especially circa 1971, 72, just almost as like an AB. I listened to Donna Fargo's <laughs> the happiest girl in the USA album just to see like, so what makes this stand out in the early seventies? Donna Fargo, you know, the song happiest girl in the whole USA. Do I have to sing it? I'm the happiest girl in the whole USA. Good morning, morning. Hello, sunshine. 
has you know like one or two standout tracks and then some schlocky filler even one where it's almost like a pledge of allegiance like i pledge to be a informed citizen and vote and pay my taxes uh so it's almost like a reaction to the hippy dippy type type stuff that's happening in the larger culture oh yeah twas ever thus right i mean this happening now you know I know almost zero about it. I'll just go by general feeling that there was a sort of a country pop crossover moment in the 70s, obviously, because these were not the stations that were on in my house. Right. So... How, how do I know these Dolly Parton well, songs I think it, like it, Jolene? And I think they, they called were, it Countrypolitan, they, mm-hmm. where there would be strings and more orchestrated... Um, type uh, arrangements so you know i'm a big glenn campbell jimmy webb fan and that's like i would say like that's the creme de la creme of of that type of movement there's the bakersfield sound maybe this this particular dolly parton album is included because there's none of that i mean there's no strings it's pretty much bass guitar lap steel fiddle acoustic guitar that that's my best guess. I would say. I mean, above and, and beyond, and made, the, and made her uh, a star as a as opposed to being under Wagner's wing. That had, that ship had sailed already. I mean, she had already written "I Will Always Love You." You might have heard of that song, uh, sung by Whitney Houston, <laughs> the late Whitney Houston. That was that that had already passed. Indeed, there's a Porter Wagner song on this album, uh, "The Way I See You," which is much better than. And I'm gonna play. You know what? My lead-off track. I'm not going to play the Coat of Many Colors. You go ahead and look that up, kids. I'm going to play <laughs> what I think of as, and I'm going to. A lot of the after-the-fact reviews are like, it's a pretty good album. To it gets a little schlocky towards the end. No, no, it gets schlocky by song three. <laughs> it's not the okay. End. That's not that's not that's not toward the end in a in an album with with ten songs. That's thirty percent of the way through. So I'm going to play you play for our 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 um dear listeners dear listeners the mystery of mysteries and boy oh boy is is that a humdinger of a song so let's so let's do that now the mystery of the mystery there are so many things that i don't understand the wind goes how does life begin what happens when we die the mystery of the mystery must stay unknown 
Only God can know And man must not see Great minds have tried But they will not find The answer to the mystery Of the mystery let the record show we are not giggling as much as we should be giggling. Because this is basically the country equivalent of that like insane clown posse, transcendently awesomely bad song. Uh, I think it's called like Questions or something. You know, like, why is there air? You know, like, are there hats? <laughs> like, <laughs> why, you know, why does wood stay together and not melt? <laughs> It's like all these like. Well, so wait, like, wait, 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 what happens to wind, Eric? Come on, what happens to wind? So it's it's, it's actually that, track think, five. It's I track think that five. We should so. add a little bit of that track for our our listeners, our devoted fans. The, the that song. Sure, and I'm built. You know, I'm building but, a spot. You know, I'm building a Spotify list of any stupid song we mention. Okay, I just add it to our Spotify list. Add it. Pure motherfucking magic. Right? This shit'll blow your motherfucking mind. Music is a lot like love. It's all a feeling and it fills the room from the floor to the ceiling. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around, it's all astounding. Water, fire, air and dirt. Fucking magnets, how do they work? And I don't wanna talk to a scientist. Y'all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed. Solar eclipse and vicious weather. 15,000 juggalos together. And I love my mom for giving me this time on this planet. Take nothing for granted. I seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. Miracles ain't nothing to lie. Shaggy's little boys look just like Shaggy. And my little boy looks just like daddy. Miracles each and every way. Regretfully, but you, but, but you, horribly cynical, shallow man. I mean, this is not. This is wondering about the big mysteries of life, where wind goes. Not men with cl- a, not men with clown makeup on. Eric Hertz, joking, Perfe- joking. Professor Eric Hertz. I would remind <laughs> that you, is Doctor Eric Hertz, <laughs> Doctor Eric Hertz, that there is a field of science called meteorology that tells us tells us where wind in fact goes. So when Dolly asks us, where does the wind go? Where does go? it go, Dan? Where does it go? It depends on the damn weather system, okay? <laughs> East. And what happens when we die? We die. That's what happens. And what was the other one? Uh, I don't care. You don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. It's, it, you know, I would even say, I would even say. Well, God knows. That Dolly Parton. Daniel, and that's, that's what I'm saying. And God knows, and we shouldn't know. Like this is like an anti-enlightenment, you know, <laughs> screed. But I would say even more to the point is that this is 1971, 72, and Dolly Parton, who by this point is like, it sounds cruel, but she's like a Johnny Carson punchline because of her big bosom and stuff. So if anything, she's almost playing into Which a persona. she embraced fully. Right, right. Yeah. And so if anything, she's playing into a, a persona of like a know-nothing country gal or something when she is so much smarter than than us or me <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know? absolutely and and uh and so i think that um you know i i tend to think of that song as disingenuous mm. you know and uh good point it, the the sound of it the sound of it's great i mean it's classic you know classic country and 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 th- even through the head maybe because of muffled through the headphones you can hear pete drake's like lapsteel guitar sort of like taking the part of the wind and god like yeah no 
wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. Dolly, don't ask these questions. <laughs> uh, but 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 my, I guess my larger question, and maybe this is the mystery of the mystery, is why is this on a top 100 list when it should just be like a really appreciated Dolly Parton album? Do you have an answer to that? Because well, before we tackle that, can I also say that I also love that track? She loves. Every what, how's it go? She, she loves, never met a man, oh, and then right. and then I love I love some. Is there a parens? Parens. Yeah, yeah. She never met a man she didn't like. Like as if that makes it. Like, she didn't like. She I didn't, thought it was didn't love her. She didn't like. Oh, she didn't like. Okay. She never met a man. Do you? I mean, we could play a, play a little bit of, of of that. I know you think you love her. And you're making plans to leave But I must tell you something I just hope you'll believe I know it isn't real love That you see in her eyes Cause she's never met a man She didn't love and you're no different from the others A new acquaintance in the night You mean no more to her Than all the others she's held tight But I know she's convinced you It was love at first sight But she's never Met a man she didn't like. But 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 I, when I don't spend enough time around country, and indeed, and I don't spend enough time around country, uh, I, that deep trash talking is just so fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you can't believe it's being broken down this well. And in a way, it's like <laughs> different because it's it's woman on woman, you know, type of uh, <laughs> type of stuff. When right. usually it's like you know. Don't come back in bed after you've been partying all night long. You, you know that sort of you Patsy, rogue, you, yeah. that Patsy Klein, you know, honky tonk angels or whatever. Um, I think what you know. I mean, this album is like a fine collection of songs with a lot of sentimental stuff in there, and yeah. depending on what your sentimentality, uh, you know, tolerance is, you'll appreciate this album. Okay, but um, so. Let's do it. Let's 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 recreate the magic. You're in the room and you think, okay, it's top 100 albums of all time. You know, we are paying. You know, we got the one disco album, right? Uh-huh. We, you know, we got the one glam rock album. We probably should say something about country. What's it gonna be, right? And and I have to say, like, how is it this one? I don't. I mean, it's not. I it's fine. Maybe it ticks off too, frankly, because she's a woman or something. But I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Besides the Dixie Chicks, which, which were right, right, which was really important way back I, when. I'm not. I'm not sure to tell you the truth. I think that, um, you know, I, I have to look a little bit more into country's history or something. I mean, she she wrote most of these songs. She plays guitar on them. I mean, the, a bonus track that's on here is "My Blue Tears." It's an acoustic demo, and if you've ever seen her on like talk shows or. I remember she would always be on like vari- the variety shows of you know she would play guitar and she's a wonderful killer guitar player she you know handpicks and um 
and she's great, but but I'm not sure if like a, an album with the tender touch of love as its closeout track really de- <laughs> really deserves to be like in a top 100. Um, I feel really cruel saying this, you know. I mean, I mean, I think because we're picking on country, we're picking on women and country, <laughs> which is awful. You know, the one time uh, I think it's a way. I think it's a way for the list maker. This is in our list for the list maker. It's like saying, hey, let's. Let's try to remember the you know the seventies country and Dolly Parton like all at the same time, um, you know people's you know um, reputations are rise and fall. So when this list was made by Entertainment Weekly, they might have said, you know, uh, countries having a bit of a resurgence. Let's give a nod to them. I mean, indeed, now you go on to RollingStone.com. There's a whole other Rolling Stone country. Yeah. So. Millions but, and millions of people buy country. It's but this made me th- this made me think of think of this. It's like it, it, to my friends in Wicker Park, Chicago, it would come as a surprise. Look up Garth Brooks and see how much that man dominated the world in the nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not even just not even just uh, Garth Brooks, but like Alan Jackson. Yeah, but and not just the country charts. Yeah, I mean. It, it, millions and millions and millions of units. What did Garth Brooks do (laughs) (laughs) to be not considered uh, as a, uh, for the country album? Well, I think, I I think we already know. Is it the kiss cover? (laughs) (laughs) Hard luck woman. Hard luck woman. Yeah. I I don't think it's the kiss cover, although that probably plays a big part in it. I think, I think if anything, uh, country artists like feel a kinship with, with, uh, with uh, critical lepers like Kiss, because <laughs> because they're not included in these in mm. these in these lists, so so maybe there's some sort of uh, thing going on here. Well, which country album are we going to pick that that like ticks off a couple of different uh, criteria? I mean, right. and I don't think one of those criteria is like sold a bazillion copies. Um, I'm sure this charted, and I'm sure it did really well, and I'm sure that Coat of Many Colors, you know. Um, you know, did really well on the charts, but I would also say that I don't think that had anything to do with with any of this, uh, you know, inclusion on the list. Um, yeah, I, I guess if you're thinking, pick a, a, a living country icon and someone who's doing who did a lot for the genre. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say what's, that what's Dolly's best album is yeah. probably this one, also because. What she 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 re-recorded and uh, reworked like three albums off this off this album. I'm sorry, three tracks off this album. Uh, so it was clearly a, a favorite of hers, um, if if not a recurring uh, pattern for her. But clearly, songs that she are her favorites and that she decided to redo and revisit through several points in her career. Yeah, there's three Porter Wagoner songs on this album. Um. And there's even some a couple of hippy dippy songs. But here. otherwise, she wrote the she wrote the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. She is not uh, just the uh, the female front for 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 an old guy who's who's writing the songs for. Her. I mean, I, I think that I think in a in a in a little way, you know, where when people pick this kind of an album, there's other things going on. Like let's 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 look at the actual time period in which it was. Uh, you know, release. This is not yet the outlaw country era mm. of of Willie Nelson and 
and uh, Waylon Jennings and Johnny Paycheck or whatever. This is still, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe this because this came out at that point before Outlaw Country, but still has like a minimal. I mean, I'm looking at a huge list of personnel, but it, there's no strings on it. I think mm-hmm. people tend to really poo-poo strings. We just poo-pooed strings with uh, the Beatles in our last segment. Um, but I think it does make it syrupy enough for regular radio. There's a video, and I, I want to say the 90s, of Dolly Parton in Ireland. And there's a camera crew following her around. But nonetheless, this does seem genuinely impromptu that she goes into a pub and there's a, a couple people playing acoustic instruments. And, you know, the, the entire pub says, let's have a song. Let's have a song. And they do Coat of Many Colors. And, oh. the, and the, there's this one sort of, you know, I think it's fair to say, like, not Hollywood star handsome you know, guitar player who's playing along, but he's playing really wonderfully, right? And he's sitting there, like, at the in the corner of the pub, and Dolly Parton like, maybe whispers, like, a chord change or whatever. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, she whispers into this man's ear. And he, he then continues to strum, but he makes the sign of the cross, like, please help me, Lord. Dolly Parton just <laughs> whispered into my ear. So it's utterly, completely charming. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, like, the idea of Dolly Parton, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, that, and that song, too, um, about the song is about the rags that her mother stitches together to make mm-hmm. a coat for her uh, and is based on her own growing up in poverty. And so this mm-hmm. is part of her authenticity of her lived experience which is so central to country music and i think it resonates i mean completely because she doesn't then become a respectable middle class person she becomes dolly fucking pardon (laughs) with her own theme park right and so uh so i think like the the idea and the spirit of dolly pardon is being included here as as well as the album itself all right you gonna take us out on the track I think we ought to take it out on uh, She Never Met a Man She Didn't Like. Oh, all right. Because I know that you love I that love song. me some trash talk. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's kind of gangster, you know? <laughs> Back through the years I go wandering once again Back to the seasons of my youth I recall a box of rags that someone gave us And how my mama put the rags to use There were rags of many colors But every piece was small And I didn't have a coat And it was away down in the fall Mama sewed the rags together So in every piece we loved She made my coat of many colors That I was so proud of As she sewed, she told a story from the Bible she had read About a coat of many colors Joseph wore And then she said, perhaps this coat will bring you Good luck and happiness And I just couldn't wait to wear it And Mama blessed it with a kiss My coat of many colors that my Mama made for Although we had no money 
Well, I was rich as I could be In my coat of many colors My mama made for me And we're back for the mid-year kicker pick, which Eric, my colleague across from me, is already selected and primed up. But I really like trying from, to guess. From 1969. And I did stump you last episode because... But in that weird way where I, you thought I'd guessed it, but I had Yeah, you're like, and now you're going to teach us how to do a, a, a Kinks cover where the Jam had done... Oh, did we do this on air or whatever? We did, yeah. David right, but Watson, but I'm yeah. still, I still want to revel in that a little bit because yeah. I did I got too slow and I didn't get that I did indeed stump you. But this time it's 1969, so I... I don't know. I, I, so it's a period that you, I mean, it's not like when I did 98 and you're like, well, shit, could be whatever. But yeah, it could be Philip Jack or, you know, whatever. the radio heads. Some, something from somewhere. Uh, I My guess is that it's Led Zeppelin because I, as you were priming it up, you, you're giving mm. me a good, you're giving me a good poker face, as Lady Gaga says. So I think the first Led Zeppelin album came out in 69, so... Uh, but we're going very hard rock, so I'm thinking curatorially speaking, you're like, oh no, I'm not going to pick a hard rock album, because I just picked arguably one of the best hard rock albums ever, Van Halen's first one. So are you trying to, are you trying to throw <laughs> throw down? Uh, I don't know. So it's 1969, it's got to be an English band, because that's you, and you're not going to pick like... I did two Americans in a row, so it's oh, like, you did? I, I cannot. So you're not going to pick like Foghat. It's over now. All right, so all right, so let's fire it up. This is where we insert the music. <laughs> you know, I actually I don't I, I want to talk about it at a time. I, oh, I, you do? Okay. It's 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 so, full it's it's full confessional uh, time. Before I mean, it. Oh, that's right. Crosby stills and that. But you're also. <laughs> are you partly going by the not on Spotify? Hint as well. Oh, that's that, right. That's right. That that's right. Doing? So while we were away, while we, uh, our sponsor was was that's right. While we were run, <laughs> while, running laps, while Pfizer was talking about the benefits of Lipitor, <laughs> like or whatever our commercial was, mm-hmm. I you were uh, scrolling through Spotify, and as we record this, I know for a fact. I no no Led Zeppelin is on Spotify. I was just listening to the physical graffiti box set, so I I, I was really all over the place. Yeah. But whatever you have is not on Spotify, so it's like what, like Taylor Swift or something, or and, and both you know, the Beatles aren't on the Beatles aren't on Spotify. Right, Bo- both both Zeppelin one, I guess you'd call it, and Zeppelin two are in, are in sixty nine. Wow, boy, yeah. they, I guess there were no slacks that year. <laughs> they were, let's get this done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so so, so, so Led Zeppelin, you went with Led Zeppelin two then, I guess. Let me let me set the stage for you. Okay. This band named Duran Duran had broken up, and two of the members. This is a personal setup. It's, it's a personal setup. It is. I'm, I'm going creative nonfiction. Oh. Mm. Well, as Emerson says, there is no history, only biography. Continue. As you well know, two members, John Taylor and Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor, the guitarist, who finally wanted to rock out with his socks out. <laughs> Formed a band called Power Station. Yes. Are you closer? Yes. No. No, you're no. no. You're still no closer. No. 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 Anyway, they came out with a song called "Bang a Gong." Oh. Get it on. Wow. And I thought this track rocks. 
Yeah. Uh, well, hang on a second. They didn't write this tune. <laughs> this this is, in fact, Bolan. <laughs> Mark Bolan. <laughs> of T-Rex wrote this song way back in the early 70s. And they hear they had resurrected it. So this is right around the time of college, <laughs> a time where you live with other guys in a house, mm-hmm. some of us, mm-hmm. and other people had record collections. Uh, and lo and behold, Electric Warrior was on rotation. That is T-Rex's Electric Warrior on rotation in the house. And there was Mark Bolin in all of his glory. And I just want to say that this is another moment where someone got a hold of some other Bolin. Is said, but have you ever heard Bolin acoustic? Yeah, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I said, no. Yeah, and so... Yeah. But I think this like, like it, it was like a bongo, like it was him and a bongo player. Like I think I went in the internet wormhole once and like looked up that guy. <laughs> and yeah, I think he's still around. His name is Peter Tuck, and we're just about to talk about no it. No shit, <laughs> we really are, because. Uh, but this is a lot. Uh, I thought because we were living in the era of MTV Unplugged mm-hmm. that I thought okay, there was Electric Warrior. And then, like, he must have, even though I didn't recognize the songs, like, well, then he must have stripped down, you know, and just went acoustic right? later and, like, recorded these beautiful cuts. He went the other way. It was the other way around, yeah. So, Bolin was in an early band, and they had all of their gear stolen, like his electric guitar and everything. And so, he was just left with an acoustic. Uh, and so he started just writing acoustic songs and he hooked up with this guy named Peter Took and the three of them, I'm sorry, the two of them. Uh, <clears throat> and then the two of them put out, put out three, we're, we're put out three albums, <laughs> three albums. Wow. <laughs> they put out three albums. The third of which is unicorn. So I, after hearing these acoustic songs, it was on a cassette or something. Someone's like, you know, and you couldn't even find stuff out back then. You're just, I just thought, oh, it must be, as I said later, uh, unplugged stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I go to the record store and I'm leaving through my T-Rex now and I find this album, Unicorn. Uh, and then I get home and find out, oh, wait, it's actually from 1969. And that's when I do some reading and find out, yes, three albums of just him and an acoustic and this guy uh, on bongos and percussion. (laughs) And I bring it not only because it's a favorite album of mine, Unicorn to me marks the moment where he starts to move away from just the, uh, the acoustic guitar and the percussion, because on this album, he picks up the electric a couple of times. Um, the, 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 The percussionist actually plays the kit the drum kit here and there, even though there's a lot of effects on it to make it sound like it's not quite a kit. Uh, and it's, it's like a, to me, the perfect moment of transitioning between, um, this, the sort of psychedelic folk influence moving into the, the glam rock God that he became. And by the way, you hit me to this great, um, uh, series of YouTube videos. Mark Bolin had a show. Uh, on Granada Television in the UK <laughs> for a was, while. I'm going to come back to it for a while, but 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 kids, YouTube this. It's fantastic. Um, he was in full Judy Garland mode by then, though. I mean, he was pretty medicated. <laughs> well, he, I think he was medicated for a good a good time, good time of his of his life. But yeah. so, at any rate, I wanted to play uh, one song that that sounds a lot like 
what he sounded in the first couple of albums and and uh, gives you a feel for the sort of psych folk that I think he was really, really good at, at the, during that particular period. Uh, and it's called Stones of Avalon, of, co- of course. <laughs> Let's get some stones for Avalon. Let's get some stones for Avalon. For Avalon. streaming other streaming or whatever they are not on google music either by the way um but there is the i think beautifully and enchanting uh early mark bolin when he was just acoustic and by the way to put him uh, i i almost went the fairport convention route uh, oh, which yeah. uh half bricking and both leaf and liege will come out in this year and you can also hear that sort of uh, traditional British folk uh, make its way into this sort of psych folk amalgam that T-Rex is putting together here. Is that a harpsichord in the background or it sounds... Yeah, yeah, but but that sort of droney melodic feel to it is is, uh, real specific to this particular moment. Is the Incredible String Band part of that set of people or am I... I would would say that's right. And I I think that um, the other reason I picked this is that that when psych folks sort of came back around in the form of like uh, animal collective in the aughts. Mm-hmm. That's uh, psych folk animal collective. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I thought this is early T-Rex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a, in a, in a new form. I mean, and longer and extended and, and, and psyched out in ways that Bolin was not. Yeah. But, but certainly, um, has its has its feet uh, here, even if it didn't recognize it at the time. Were these were these commercial hits? These early ones, or did he become more mainstream commercial person it, when he went electric and glam? He was more. Oh yeah, he was much bigger when yeah. he when he, when he went glam. Uh, he was already uh, a teeny bopper um, pinup boy by then, because Bolin was nothing if not uh, easy on the eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these albums moved some, moved some copies, but I don't think he had as much uh, critical cred. It seems paradoxical until he strapped on the acoustic guitar and played three chords, uh, and sort of big sort of became the embodiment of glam rock. As it started to be uh, to strapped on the electric guitar, you mean? Did I say acoustic? You said acoustic. No, oh, I'm sorry. Strapped yeah. on the electric. Strapped on yes, the electric. And, and went jump, 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 jump. Which maybe we could throw in just to remind people what that song sounds like. Yeah. 
I wanted to play one song where you can hear the percussion and the ways in which they were playing really interestingly with the percussion sounds. Uh, there's a snare here, which is uh, affected in this really great way. But again, as I say, like a, as a, to me, captures the best of Mark Bolin in some way, uh, even though some people would say, well, it's just on the way to Electric Warrior. I think, mm-hmm. no, I, actually, I like this step that happens right before it. And this uh, particular call, track is called She Was Born to Be My Unicorn. You love saying these song titles, <laughs> and I love hearing you say them. <laughs> I do. She was born to be my unicorn. Road ahead of us, catch our children by the Darkly ghost is host, haggard eyes of the notes. Seeks the sandals shore of God's baby of the moon. Nightmares, movements, my sense of visions of the night. Sure side stream of steam, cooking king, the queen of screaming. Jack the winter hair, cleans his shell out on me bare. Silken weather cat was returned from the drink ski high, 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 high. So, I mean, after talking about Sergeant Pepper, it shouldn't come as any surprise that by 1969 you can do some interesting things in the stereo, like make a snare drum sound like it's five blocks from here. <laughs> and just barely there and put little. What are those little clicks in one ear and uh, you know, these drones that, that, that belong to the... And have system. highly uh, elusive lyrics that mention unicorns and the misty shores of Albany. I mean, <laughs> my right. God. That's right. Yeah. You know, but whole... like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, I'm not sure it's actually grounded in anything specific. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I don't know if it bears further scrutiny. <laughs> Which would be beside the point, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a certain there's a certain vocal quality from that time. I mean, I, I would I would even include, you know, Brian Furry yeah. four or five years later. That's that right. I said Anthony Newley like vibrato, and I'm not sure if that applies here, but there's something going on with his voice where he's yes. he's letting letting it. Know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. A bit of a neighing effect. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> but the but, but the other reason that I that I bring it in uh, and also reference uh, the Mark Bolin uh, clips uh, that that you hit me to and that that people definitely should check out is there's this one great uh, it's it's throughout all of them but there's a one really great episode where he introduces Generation X uh, who was fronted by Billy Idol at the time and Mark stands there and he's holding a flower and he's sniffing it and he says <laughs> some people say that Billy Idol is more prettier than me so. Let's see, shall we? And then, and that's the introduction for Generation X as they cut. I don't know if I'm ready to play after Mark Boland says that about me, you know. But uh, but I, I did want to for a moment talk about the the figure of the dandy in rock and roll. This sort of like, oh yeah, um, you know, and and who else you might put in this category? I mean, the, the clear, by the way, jump is straight to Morrissey, right? Who appears on top of the pops with a pocket full of. 
uh, f- flowers, yeah. uh, right, um, and uh, proclaiming his, you know, his beauty, you know, Saint Morrissey and his and his beauty, right. right. Um, but if you want to jump back to this moment and '69 and moving into the '70s and, you know, what, what, how and it's I think it's a tough one to, nut to crack. Uh, how does effeminacy become the, the ultimate? Yeah. Expression of machoism or some masculinity in some ways, right? Like, like I say, Mark Bolin, a, a really, uh, a really beautiful man. I feel like we do this too often. <laughs> it's fine. I'm comfortable with it. I'm, 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 I'm comfortable. I will totally go on record. And, and next time you come over, I'll show you the Bolin posters in my in, 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 my in your bed. bathroom <laughs> on, the, on the wall your of my on the bathroom. wall of my bedroom. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, on the ceiling on my bedroom. Any rate, um, here he is, uh, extremely uh, uh, feminine, uh, and yet. Is, is is the darling is the is the love uh, of hysterical girls all over right the UK the the dandy tradition is is rich in England mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think it comes out of there in a in a way that's much different than the United States for sure yeah and if anything you would say the dandy tradition is just emulating you know copying emulating the the English tradition or whatever. I think of uh, Joe Bryath. Did you ever hear of Joe Bryath? He was in the original uh, uh, hair cast, mm. and uh, he was marketed as an out gay pop star in 1970, 71. There's this pretty great documentary about him. And and <laughs> what's funny is that in this one interview, he's like, a lot of these other you know dandies are you know, just talking the talk. I walk the walk. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> I have sex with men. Okay, <laughs> these other guys don't. And uh, he, I don't know if that's a dandy requirement, <laughs> right? But, right. I mean, but that tradition is, certainly does go back to Oscar Wilde, for sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I think a lot of these, you know, from Bowie to Freddie Mercury to just about everybody, they're playing with gender expectations, and also, you know, when you're that young, you can kind of you can pull that off. There's a certain, <laughs> there's a certain, you know, um, you know, androgyny to, you know, being 19, 20 years old. You take a look at, um, Marcy. Now he's all man. <laughs> he's a UPS driver, but back then, you know, he's a UPS driver with a LeMay shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's definitely got the frosty signs, uh, going, <laughs> but he, I, I saw him in concert recently and he still comes across. Really, as dandyish, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think for per- four wardrobe changes, you know, I'm, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think performatively, there's, there's, you know, there's different uh, choices you can make in your later years, and, and uh, so, so you'd put Freddie in the in the dandy category. I wasn't gonna rush. I wasn't gonna oh, rush yeah, down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he, you know, he he was. I mean, I, th- I would put Jimi Hendrix in the dandy category as well. I mean, if you take a look mm. at the way he sort of plays with expectations of uh, gender and whether or not he's like a ladies man or whatever. And the Dick Cavan interviews, I mean, the, the, the dandy has many different incarnations, iterations, <laughs> different in phases period, of the dandy. Phases of the yes. dandy. Yeah. And uh, not so, to mention little Richard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Elvis Presley. I mean, people talk a lot about how Elvis Presley basically, you know, has this androgynous quality in the early years. Uh, 1978, not so much. <laughs> 1977 or whatever. Uh, I don't think he made it to 78. No, no, yeah, no. 77. He died, right? <laughs> he definitely was definitely not was masculine. He was masculine as a corpse <laughs> in 78. Yeah, I mean, there were Tyrannosaurus Rex at this point, right? They right. became T Rex when they went electric, or is, was that like <laughs> the, the, somewhere? I think that, no, the, the, I think there even some of this stuff comes across this way, but um, 
uh, no, producer Tony Visconti, <laughs> that I think that we referenced earlier, uh, got tired of saying the whole name and just started referring to them as T-Rex. Uh, and then Mark was like, yeah, okay, all right, mate, let's just do it. Conversely, Unicorn was called Ucorn. Just <laughs> no, th- so I think this is a cool, especially for our listeners, is like to dig these sort of tra- these transitional T Rex records rather than just you know what are the name brand T Rex Electric Warrior, right? I mean that's like the one that right that or if like, you all if if all you ever thought of Mark, was Mark Bolin was sort of uh, in a haze, um, deliriously banging a gong while he was. <laughs> Playing his three chords uh, and getting it on, um, and <laughs> you're clinging to your Animal Collective or Avery Tear or Pan right. Bear or the Vander Banhart Barnhart albums. You know, <laughs> go back and listen to T Rex. Yeah, no kidding. It's right no there. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this is a really interesting uh, choice. I com- I commend you. Thank you. And it's a shame how he, uh, when did he die? Like 78, 70, no, 79? Mm. I, I, say, I want to say 78. A passenger in a car? Yeah. This is shameless. Yeah. <laughs> when we come back, we will tell you exactly the method of Mark <laughs> Boland's death. It would, it would, it, it, when you look at those videos, kids, uh, you'll see that Mark was, uh, and also loved to drive fast. He was headed, he was going down this route. And he was hanging out with, you know, all the lushes, Ringo Starr, Elton John. David you know, Bowie. There's the, yeah, there's a there's a movie. I think there's a T Rex concert movie directed by Ringo Starr, hmm. and it's it's pretty great. Uh, but there's a jam session basically with like every. I mean, I think Harry Nilsson's there, or at least the sp- his spirit is there. You know, it's just like a lot of <laughs> Harry was everywhere. Yeah, just yes. rocking it out. I think they're doing Bang a Gong, like the Bang a Gong video, for lack of a better term, is Elton John's like playing piano and stuff. It's, yeah, it's fascinating. It's great. We've talked about it so much. We'll, we'll go out and bang a gong, and then and, uh, let's do it, man. And come on, and then we'll come back. Saxophone solo and everything. Just the way we like it. All right. Insert bang a gong here.
Having said the gene, oh, oh, so Mark died uh, after a heavy night of drinker, drinking, 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 <laughs> like I am right now. In 77. But as I said, as a, as a passenger in the car in 1977. He must have been doing that show at the time because I, the video I sent to you, the clip or yeah. whatever, is him introducing Jam, like the Jam. Yeah, yeah, but, and I think his last appearance is with um, Bowie doing Heroes or something. Oh, really? It was, it was the last bit before, because he was right in the middle of doing that show, yeah, when he, when he died in the car accident mm. but I kind of really hate Bang a Gong right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean there's just so much other stuff to listen to I have like a box set of his well, I mean, it's, it's not that great it doesn't have liner notes and extras it's like just crammed together albums I mean, so the stuff that I just played for you, I mean, you couldn't get further from blues than that sort of British folk <laughs> influence. Thing. And then uh, then to turn right around and pick up an electric guitar and just like... Yeah. I think, I think what uh, keeps it together is this Mark Bowen sort of hippy-dippy and dreamy, dreamy, you know, yeah. children of the revolution 20th century boy I absolutely mean, all, all, all these songs you know have a certain kind of yeah pollyanna i love them for what they represent yeah <laughs> but they're not on my stereo that's <laughs> right, all i'm saying right, right. <laughs> <laughs> on my ipod or something so that wraps up uh, e- uh episode 87 yeah and my god <laughs> i'm over you see this is gonna be very hard for me number 86 86, yeah. Two, what are, what two, are of you my, gonna... two of my very, very favorite albums, actually. And more painfully, one of my very, very favorite albums of all time, this is me warning you to treat it with, mm-hmm. kid, with kid gloves. Oh, yeah. Is okay. Jeff Buckley's Grace. I love Jeff Buckley's Grace. So that's what you're doing, Jeff Buckley's Grace. What am I going to do? Which is from... Inter- which is from... The Enemy. Enemy. From- Number 86 on the Enemy top 100 list is Jeff Buckley's 1994 album Grace and you my friend <clears throat> sorry Eric Hertz will be presenting go ahead P- oh, oh I thought you were going to do it PJ Harvey <coughs> PJ Harvey stories from the sea and stories from the city the city's first actually I'm be presenting PJ Harvey's story from the city stories from the sea from 2000 from 2000 and your mid-year kicker pick is going to be fine. No, I mine. Oh, come on, nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, what a stinker year! I'm oh sure man, it's a one Radiohead of the, album. It's one of the best years in music. All right, really? I really, I believe it. Give me, give me some names. Come on, like no, no, no. I, you'll have to. You'll, you'll, All right, I'll, I'll, I'll bias you. I'll, I'll look against them. them or for them. I'm not sure which, but I'll, I'll look them up and I'll do my best to. To find uh, an album I like, damn it. Uh, no, but I, I, I look forward to talking about Jeff Buckley's Grace album. Uh, have you seen any of the movies with somebody playing Jeff Buckley? The guy from Gossip Girl, for instance? No. No? There's been two movies made, Jeff Buckley's. About Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Starring a Jeff Buckley lookalike. Are we going to limit ourselves to how gorgeous Jeff Buckley was? Or are we just going to like go full-on homoerotic? Yeah. We probably just should. I think we need to start with Tim Buckley first. <laughs> like a parade of man. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I look forward to it. And I look forward to hearing you sing Hallelujah. You know, mm-hmm. just 
before it got overused. Before it got overused. And it yeah. appeared in Shrek films. It was in a Shrek film? It was, it was wasn't it? it but was. it was, uh, what's his face? Wainwright. Rufus yes. Wainwright. Yeah. Rufus Wainwright. Yeah. I'm sure that bought... Whom we saw together, by the way. We did. We did. years ago. We did. Do you remember what he said about Albany? You have poor people. Treasure that. <laughs> I was like, geez. Thanks, Rufus. Thanks, Rufus. <laughs> At any rate. All right. Looking so that's forward to 86. Excited. Uh, I, and I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be good. We have Tom Waits and Bruce Springsteen next. It'll be nice to get back in our sweet spot. You know, just Although men. There's, a, there's a swap there on that one. Is there? Because Springsteen's later. So we get spiritualized. Oh, Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space. <laughs> okay. So I'll be doing Tom Waits, and you'll be doing Spiritualized for yeah. episode 85. And we're doing wow. everything like we're trying to keep people to go two episodes in. Like, at least commit to us for two more yeah, episodes. you got to. you got to stick around because uh, these mid-year kicker picks, I, I, it's like a little... I'm getting continuing education credit for this. You know? D- don't make us do the digital fun drive. No. <laughs> we're, no. We're just gonna <laughs> we'll just talk about the 80s... Uh, for yeah. an hour until we get some some digital <laughs> exactly. some money in our pay, through your PayPal accounts. <laughs> if you enjoy Duran Duran and the Splinter Groups, pledge now. Okay. All right. So that now on to Arcadia. <laughs> I want to talk about Thunder, Andy Taylor's solo debut. That's right. <laughs> Don't let me die young. Yeah, gotta, Terry Bozio you, on drums, bitch. Yeah, you got to ride the lightning. <laughs> it's got that great cover too, right? What? It's got that great. Oh yeah, it's like it's, a woodcut. It's like a steakhouse. Andy Taylor's Thunder Steakhouse. <laughs> That's how much I'm out of Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I guess back later for one tour to pay some bills or <laughs> pay something for my Majorca estate or wherever he lives. Exactly. All right, so, so that wraps up album oriented for this week. Yeah, thanks. I'm, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Were you going to thank? Me. Oh, you're going to thank me. <laughs> I think. I, I think. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Daniel Lister. Then thank you, Eric Hertz. And thank all of you for being here. We'll see you next time on album oriented. Who's to say?